got the cross town on, all right? You know what that means. It's baptism weekend here, everybody, and we're excited. Welcome to you at Homer Glen and New Lenox and Orland Park and online. I had a sweet woman make this jersey for me, literally took two of them and ripped them in half and put them together so that I can baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and Cubs or and socks. You just decide which way you want to go in. See, I got the whole thing covered. And evidently the Cubs don't need any help this year, so we'll just go all on the right side, okay? Um, We are excited to have you here. We're really excited about baptism. There's a You know, there's a lot of funny things that happen around baptism. I'll just show you one. This kid decided to baptize himself. You're going to love it. He's been waiting on this day a long time. And so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I do it myself. All right. I love that. I mean, you know, cool. That's awesome. So uh, uh, we're doing this chosen thing. Unbelievable. Today, we're going to look at one character in the chosen that is really one of my favorites. Um, And we're going to talk about being born again. That's why I thought this would be a good connection for the whole deal with uh, baptism and the things that are going on today. Born again is a phrase that can sometimes be weird for people. It turns into one of those, you know, oh, you're one of those born agains, right? It kind of lumps us into a category of people who vote a certain way or are unloving towards outsiders or can't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. And I don't know how that happened, um, but let me explain what Jesus meant about born again by describing the life of Nicodemus to you. I keep saying he's one of my favorite characters in The Chosen. If you don't know about The Chosen, first season's on Peacock. They've got their own app. You can watch it on your phone or whatever. It's a a reenactment of the life of Jesus in the most realistic and non-weird Christian way you've ever seen in your life. And Nicodemus, is another one of those. There was a man in the a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Okay, he's a Pharisee. That means he's an ardent practitioner of uh, Old Testament plus the Old Testament plus all of the extra rules that they had put on the Old Testament. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, which was the Jewish governing body of like seventy of the best men selected to rule. So they're kind of like you know the high council, okay? But he's a Pharisee who follows Jesus. And this is why this is so really important to me, and I love watching him in The Chosen, uh, because usually I'm really hard on the Pharisees, because the Pharisees are the ones who made Jesus mad. And if you don't know, I wrote a book about that, okay? And, And it's not because I don't like the Pharisees, it's because it makes, the Pharisees make it harder for people on the outside to get in. And so that's the problem with the whole deal. And there are many Pharisees who exist today. I believe they are the person, if you were here uh, last week or week before when I played the tape of the lady beating the head over, you know, beating the guy over the head with a Bible, that's who they are to me. They're the older brother in the prodigal son story who was mad at his father for welcoming the wayward brother home. And it's just ridiculous. And those people get in the way of of people getting to Jesus, okay? They are the Westboro Baptist people with the signs that say God hates certain people. They are the religious teachers 
who tell, I'm not going to let it go, those folks in Arizona that they aren't really Christians because they got baptized by a priest who said, we baptize you in this name instead of I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I mean, that really happened. So those people can't take communion, they can't get married because they got baptized by a we instead of an I. Can you imagine a religious system? You get to hell, okay? There's cats everywhere. (laughs) I'm just saying. Hitler, Charlie Manson, John Wayne Gacy, they meet you at the gate. They say, well, what brought you in? Yeah, well, my priest baptized me with the wrong pronoun. Come on. Pharisees are so frustrating to me when I'm trying to help people find their way back to the Father. And I think they're frustrating to the Father as well. But Nicodemus shows us that even a super-religious Pharisee can find his way back home. And it's very important to note that it is in the Nicodemus story that Jesus does the big verse, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the one that football players write on their eyelids, right? Okay, Jesus didn't preach that to a crowd. He preached it to a Pharisee. So I want you to see the last thing we see from Nico and and see, we'll work backwards from there because I want you to see the redemption. Later, this is next weekend at the the Easter thing, okay? Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. There's Nicodemus. All we know is that he goes to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And he had been a secret disciple up until then, up until the cross. Jesus died and was buried this Friday on our calendar coming up in Joseph's tomb. He and Nicodemus were both members of the upper council of the Jews who just killed Jesus but they were following him secretly up until that point. That's my favorite, like, blend-in picture right there. You know, the fox hunt, he's right there in the middle of them. But something changed for them at the cross. And at that moment of the cross, at, the, at the, watching Jesus say, it is finished, Father, forgive them, all the things that he said, it changed their allegiance in a new way. It looks as if the cross changed things for them, and they were ready to come out from hiding And man, oh man, I hope that happens to you today. Let me just let you see an edit together of several scenes of Nicodemus so you can get an understanding, okay? You can tell he's searching and he's willing to think out of the box. It starts with him explaining to his wife why this Jesus guy that he's researching is so important to him. The second scene is Nicodemus trying to help one of his Pharisee students think out of the box And then the slow motion scene, he sees a man who was paralytic and is now walking because he's been healed by Jesus. And he has an open mind. Do you know what people will say when they learn that the great Nicodemus missed his own grandson's name day because he was doing research in Capernaum of all places? Research that concerns not just one Jewish boy, but all of Israel, past, present, and future. There is nothing in Capernaum but demoniacs and insolent schoolboys. Come to your senses. I have never been closer to my senses. That is not how it looks from the outside. Many things are not. John said, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And 
God has no body. He cannot wear sandals. God cannot take human form. To say so is blasphemy. And where does it say that God cannot take human form? In the scroll of Deuteronomy. You saw no face the day Adonai spoke to you at Horeb. Just because they saw no form doesn't mean God cannot take one. In Exodus, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. This person would have to walk around with his face covered. So you would place limits on the Almighty? None that are not written in law. And if God did something that you felt contradicted the Torah, would you tell him to get back in that box that you have carved for him? Or would you question your interpretation of the Torah? so good. If God does something that is out of your little box, is that okay? If God does something outside of what you know, the, think the Bible says, could, would you question God or would you question your interpretation of the Bible? Already I can tell that Nicodemus is the one Pharisee guy I would want to hang out with. And I've never said that before. The problem here is that all the religious leaders saw what Nicodemus and Joseph saw, but they all passed it off like that guy because it didn't fit into their box. The box of what God was supposed to do. And hey, I know you might have grown up with a box in which you were told contained what God was supposed to be about. And it was backed up by the Bible. But what if some of what they explained wasn't always exactly right. What if the way I explain it isn't always exactly right? I guarantee you I'm just a human and I mess it up. In other words, what if God is bigger than that box? Jesus is only going to move from being unbelievable to believable if you allow for that possibility. And maybe your baptism today is exactly the marking point for that. So I'm doing reverse order on Nico. He, he ends up believing and boldly anointing Jesus' body. In the middle of it, all we know is that John 7 says that when, Nicodemus, that when Jesus was being condemned, Nicodemus spoke up timidly. And the Sanhedrin mocked him, and he backed down. Here you go. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and was one of their own number, okay, he was following Jesus, asked, well, hang on, before we kill Jesus, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? And they said, are you from Galilee too? We're back to the, you know, Jesus is from the wrong side of the tracks thing. Look into it. You will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then each went to his own home and Nicodemus did too because he chickened out. Obviously, Jesus went ahead and, and, and got, you know, crucified, right? And let me, can I just say this Galilee and Nazareth thing about Jesus is the epitome of stupid, you heard it last week too. Jesus was from Nazareth in Galilee and the religious leaders always pointed out the Messiah was supposed to be from Bethlehem. They, they, they could never understand that sometimes people move. 
We have no record of anyone ever asking Jesus where he was actually born. Seems like that would have cleared up a lot. Guess what? I'm from Oklahoma, but I was born in Missouri. <gasps> Is that crazy? Roby, Missouri. I've never been there. My parents moved away when I was six months old. And I guess if you're an identity hacker, I just gave you the answer to a secret question. But whatever, okay? <laughs> Welcome. At least I have an open mind. Just ask the question. Nicodemus had an open mind. Too often we shut ourselves off from searching and discovering the truth. If you are a seeker today, stay away from the box and ask the question. Here's more from Nicodemus. I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No. Not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <sighs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize his effect. <sighs> Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yeah, because the teachers of the law have it all figured out, right? It's like this, 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 don't do this, do do this, and then everything is okay. And Jesus says, what if there's really no human way you're ever going to understand an almighty, omnipotent God? Almost that entire dialogue is from Scripture, so I'm not even going to bother reading it again. But that passage tells us Jesus 
that, that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Why? Because his standing and his position in the community, along, along with the antagonistic attitude of the religious leaders toward Jesus, he couldn't put it together. And, and one can understand why he would come at night, because he's just seeking and he's trying to figure out. And I just want to point that out again, because if you're not there yet, it's okay. He's not there yet. That's fine. It took a lot of humility to admit that Jesus, this, this rabbi, that, that, that this teacher guy that has these crazy ragtag band of followers is something that teaches, somebody that teaches something of substance. It doesn't make any sense. But notice that Jesus responds to Nicodemus by dealing with the issue at the heart of the question. Here it is. In reply, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It was unexpected, but it got to the heart of the matter. It's the core for Nicodemus and his search. It's the core for any religious person, any person that's been brought up in a religious system that thinks they have it all figured out. It's the key for that, okay? You must be born again. If you are a seeker and you honestly turn to Jesus, watch out because he's going to get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter for Nicodemus is salvation, Being born again is about admitting that I can't save myself. And Nicodemus is confused by that because he'd always been taught and he always believed from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, which is now no longer going to be valid as of next weekend, that this is the way things were supposed to be. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can see, can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and the spirit. So what did that mean? Please don't miss the reality of Jesus' statement here. At the heart of our searching is that realization that I cannot expect to come into God's kingdom by by natural means or human effort. It can't come from the flesh. That was the heart of the matter for Nicodemus. So be born of the water and the spirit. The early church and most historians believe this statement should be taken as it is stated, born of the water is baptism. Most of you grew up that, wa- that way as well. Nicodemus and everyone in Jesus' audience was f- very familiar with crazy John the Baptist, right? Hence his name. He was John the Baptist who was doing his baptisms out in the wilderness, right? Everybody knew that. But what water baptism symbolized to the Jews w- was that somehow following the law wasn't enough to let them enter the kingdom. And they had to submit and die to themselves and all of their good works and be raised up again in the spirit and admit that they needed to be born again. And that's hard for people to do, isn't it? It's hard for people who are mostly good people to admit that they need to be born again to enter the kingdom. It's hard for people who grew up in a religious scenario where they were told that doing the right things would get them into the kingdom to submit to being born again. Imagine how hard this was for Nicodemus to hear. He was one of the head teachers of the do the right thing religious group. But being born again is why Jesus, in his last words on earth that we've been studying over the last couple of weeks, said, here's what I want you to do. The last thing he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, with a we or an I, I don't really care, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what he, why did he put being born again in there? Why is baptism in there? 
Why is it that when Peter preached the very first sermon ever, it says the people were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Turn around and come back to God and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is why the Apostle Paul said, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, born again. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Baptism was a symbol of giving up everything that I have, everything that I am, and submitting myself to be born of the water so that I can be born of the Spirit. That's why it was always immersion, by the way, in case you're wondering. Baptizo is a word from the first century that was used for when you immerse a garment into uh, bleach and then into a color of dye so that you can change the color of cloth. Have you colored your Easter eggs yet? Did you baptize them? I'm pretty sure you did, okay? And you didn't just sprinkle them because they don't get the color that way, all right? I'm, I'm just telling you, okay? You don't just pour it on there, you baptize it. That's the same word that they use, okay? I'm not saying that it makes a whole lot of difference. I'm just saying this is what they did back then. And when you're raised up out of the water, you are a new creation. You are a new person. You are born again. Does that mean you're fixed? Are you gonna be a perfect new creation? I don't know, have you ever seen a newborn baby? My one-year-old grandson just started walking this week, man, what is his problem? He still can't even use the bathroom, it's ridiculous. Am I disappointed in him? Of course not. And come to think of it, someday I'll be back in diapers. It's getting closer and closer. I'm not going to be perfect until I get the new body, which I can't wait for, when the kingdom is finally perfect again. Born again is not my favorite baptism story, okay? Guy uh, moves into this large Catholic neighborhood in Chicago. Everybody around him is a Catholic, and he's not. So the first Friday in Lent, he's cooking steaks on the grill. And the guys are out, they're like, oh man, we gotta get this guy to convert because this is bad. I don't wanna be smelling that while I'm eating my fish. So they went to him and they, they said, hey, you know, we're all Catholics here. He's like, okay, cool. So they took him to church and, and he went through all the, you know, all the classes and he converted to Catholicism and they took him to the priest who sprinkled some water over him. And he said, you were born a Baptist, you were raised a Baptist, but now you are a Catholic. And the men were so relieved. Now their, now their Lenten temptation was going to be resolved. Well, next year, Lent season comes around, first Friday of Lent, they start smelling steak again out on the grill. And they're calling each other like, they're like, it's Joe, he's cooking steaks on the grill. He doesn't know it's the first Friday of Lent. So they all get together and they decide to go over there and then they couldn't believe what was going on. And they got over there and just in time to see him going, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow but now you are a fish. That's funny right there. I don't care what you say. 
It's not like that, okay? Born again is not some magic thing that happens to you. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. And here's the hesitation with baptism. Sometimes people say, well, when I get my act together, I'll get baptized. <laughs> How's that going for you? How long have you been trying to do that? That's not the point. Peter said, wait, you just killed Jesus. What should we do? You should repent and be baptized. Not like go make up for it and be baptized. Just go do it right now. If you had your act together, you wouldn't need to be born again. So if you have your act together, great. Nicodemus had his act together, actually. Jesus <laughs> had his act together, but he was still baptized will forever be amazing and fascinating to me. He went out to the desert and let his cousin John baptize him. And he said it was proper to do this to fulfill all righteousness. He was the first one that went ahead of us.